friends, welcome to episode 219 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? How are you doing post-game? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think the, the biggest problem... So, game is not the problem. I am chuffed as all hell about how my game went. Uh, it went exceptionally it, it well. It went exceptionally well. Everybody had a great time. The encounter I had planned for you guys worked really great. I, I love the mini that I painted for it. It's one of the best paint jobs I think I've ever done. Um, everything about that was, was 10 of 10. I have no notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is that it came at the tail end of a week vacation, mm-hmm. and uh, I have not been able to get my sleep schedule back straight mm-hmm. uh, since then. I naturally turn into a night owl. And so then all of a sudden having to put a hard stop on that and get up at 7.30 in the morning for work is just, yeah. has been bad. So I... And then, of course, getting stacked up with the work that you haven't had a chance to touch at all. <laughs> yeah, because I don't have a backup at work, so you, my, you... Week, my week's vacation just turns into a week of not doing the work that gets backed up for me, so yeah. Exactly. So, wow. but either way, I think it went exceptionally well. I think everybody did. I, I don't think you had really a negative comment around. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did either. You had a couple of good suggestions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that those those are the games where you walk away, you're like, and well done, me. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, my my only disappointment was that I had two encounters planned and we only got through one of them. But the one that we did do was just so great. But that, at the like... same time, with the way that you established how they were going to to gauge the the intensity of them really determined how much you'd get done. Um, and, and I thought that was a, a, a good way of doing it and, and get, basically putting it in our hands as the players to decide where we're focusing our energies and our resources. Yeah, you're right. That was a great idea. I wonder who came up with that idea. Oh, that's right. It was me. Yeah, it was you. It was you. <laughs> so uh, for our listeners, what uh, basically what happened was uh, was last week week before last well uh, to give, to give a li- yeah a little a little context uh, uh the party is going into a, another another dimension essentially yeah. we've talked about it a little bit if well, you're familiar they... with Elder Scrolls are going to Apocrypha yeah they're they're going through the Stargate it, effectively yeah, it on is, an adventure it, but it is extended a drag- it is literally an infinite library um and they're all basically there are four people there and they're all looking for well technically five but two of them are kind of looking for the same sort Mm -hmm. of information so i lumped them together but they're like all looking for different things so basically what i've got is i've got like they're going on this expedition and then i've Mm -hmm. got four mini quests yeah that i've got to orchestrate and and the decision was like well do i run four mini adventures and it takes us until december to get done with them yeah because we play once a month charitably yeah you know, or do I figure a different way to do that to to make it way out but still have the same weight? And so the idea that I came up with was like, let us decide the weight. Yeah. Like if we put all of our resources against one adventure, you know, effectively all of our successes, like that one becomes narrative and it's super easy and it's barely an inconvenience because we we plan for it. Mm-hmm. But the other ones that we're going to do now take more energy to do because we didn't we didn't deliver the resources there. Yep. And so you decided to use tokens mm-hmm. to, to be able to have them make the selections, and you told the people who were invested that they had a token in the game and they could decide where they wanted to put their weight. Yeah, and, and if I think put, it worked out if pretty they well. put two tokens on something, it just becomes a narrative adventure. We're just mm-hmm. going to sit in a circle and tell a little story about how we all succeeded. Yep. Maybe there might be some danger, but there's not going to be any roles. It's just going to be, tell us what danger happened. Oh, a spoopy thing appeared. Great. How did we handle it? Yeah. You know? 
Um, but then, you know, but, but if you turn something into easy mode, that means you're not putting a token somewhere else and that becomes hard mode. So one of the things that triggered in my headspace about uh, the two that I didn't bring up at game that I wanted to bring up here was the fact that if we put two tokens on it, why don't you use the same type of mechanics that we use for um, uh, interludes? interludes, where you you stage a card to ask the question about something? Uh, I, I think Instead I of making want... it super open form. I, th- I think I want it to be more directed. Okay. Um, what okay. I'm going to... Because I know, I know what the encounter is supposed That's to true. be. That's true. That is true. Right. So when, instead of instead of it being like, here's an encounter and now you guys are in a fight, let's right. roll initiative, you know, it's going to be very much like, okay, you get to the place. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, tell me an interesting thing you see before you get to the place. Okay. Okay, now you're at the place and it looks like this. What is the first thing you notice about this? Okay, mm-hmm. now here's this dangerous thing that is here. What? How do you approach it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the index is telling you that the information you're looking for is right there. How do you sneak around him or how do you deal with him? Yeah, what, what's you your know? approach? How do you handle that approach? Right. What is the what is the you now? Know, what's bad? the thing that potentially goes wrong? Okay, and how do you recover from that mistake? Okay, right. and then how do you make your egress? Yeah, my concern, my only concern with that is that you have a bunch of different people mm-hmm. instead of one person talking about like what possibly went wrong. So it's it is group storytelling at its finest, sure. but it's also not passing the stick. No, no, we're gonna go round robin with it. Okay. That yeah. that was my question. Yeah. It was like, what's your what's your target on that? Yeah, so. we're going. We're just, just going to go round robin, and everybody's going to tell a little bit of the story. They can pass if they want to, because it's chill. Yep. You know, sounds good. If you can't think of anything. Cool. Whatever. Like it. Like it. Like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then we don't have anything scheduled. I think the next major thing is me going to Gen Con. Yeah. Uh, Sean was trying to get his Nova Praxis game going, but uh, he's trying to get it going during August, which is just traditionally an absolute like. Crazy it's it's Christmas time for us, essentially. Like, yeah, uh, your birthday's coming up, and like yep. two or two or three other people have mm-hmm. birthdays. You're going to Gen Con. Like, it's, yeah, just it's 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 a crazy month. Crazy month yeah. to try to schedule anything during. So probably nothing's going to happen in August. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things fall apart. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to going to Gen Con. Got my list of things. Um, they'll be playing in. Looks like I'm going to be doing two Mont Cook games. Um, and a uh. Uh, a fate hack uh, mm-hmm. that's that's actually happening, and a uh, lasers and feelings game. So I've got some some mixed games that I'm playing. No D and D whatsoever. No no main quote unquote mainstream games. Yeah, sure. Yeah, not even Blades in the Dark. <laughs> BattleTech is arguably mainstream, but that's more of a tactical board game than it is a role playing game. And in all honesty, that's a very special event that we're returning to. Yeah. So we're looking yeah. that like that was a targeted thing that we really really wanted to do. I'm so glad yeah. that we're getting to do it. So yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. But. Uh... All right, old business out of the way. Old business out of the we, way. On to new business. We are doing a system spotlight tonight. It's the are. second Wednesday of the month. Yes. And uh, we have an absolute treat of a game to talk about tonight. Something different. I, I had no idea what this game even was going into this. I kind of did. I, I had gotten some flavors um, when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, uh, on the Kickstarter, which I want to say was, I got to look back a minute here, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um. I remembered it coming out. I remembered some people talking about it. Um, and, like, there was this, like, initial impression of, like, oh, it's happy My Little Pony kind of crap. And I'm like, 
Okay. I mean, it is called Monster Care Squad, Squad. so it does kind of have that, like, right. Care Bears sort of, you yeah, know, it kind of evokes that initial kind of thing. A, and then I, I got a little reading of a review. Now, back then, I, I didn't have much memory of it, but, like, someone was just like, man, I like the idea of this, but I feel like it's not Pokemon enough for me. Okay. And I was like, okay. Then, more recently, when we were looking through for systems and stuff, I remembered Monster Care Squad came back up. I think mm-hmm. it was actually uh, our marketing person, Sam, who brought it up. Uh, and it was like, hey, that's right. That is a game system that I'd like to come back to because, A, it's not our standard wick of of producers that we go after. Yeah, sure. But it is a Powered by the Apocalypse that kind of went in a different direction. But the... It'll allow us to give Free League a break. <laughs> just, just a break. Just a slight just, break. Just water. Just take, yeah. take a walk. Just take, take, take a walk, buddy. But, uh, um, but the one thing about it was I remembered there was no combat in the system. And mm-hmm. we had just dealt with that. I was like, yeah, yes, we should do this one. Yeah, yeah. And it came, like, after we got it and I started reading through it, I was like, this is everything that I remembered. That I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. and and a bit more. Um, not to say that the system, and I'm going to say this, not to say that the system is mechanical or is like revolutionary in any specific direction. No, I mean it's basically it's it's I, I almost call it bare bones powered by the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that statement. Yeah, like if you know powered by the apocalypse games, you can play this. I think the biggest challenge. That And I'll, I'll open with this saying, the biggest challenge you're going to run into is if your group is a hack and slash group who, no matter how hard you try to tell them, don't do that, is going to play this, they're probably not going to play this. Yeah. Because there is no combat. It outright states in the game, there is no way to take or, re- or to, to, to deal or receive damage in this game. So we're just going to start with that. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. I liked the fact that you called it Monster Healer World <laughs> in, in Ode to Monster Hunter World yes. and the Monster Hunter series, because there is a certain sense of that to there this really game. There really is. And on honestly, I'm going to say this. I would love to see a spinoff of Monster Hunter World called Monster Healer World that's based on this. Don't think that wasn't already brewing in my head, and that when I saw the companion, uh, is it? I think it's a move, maybe, or something like that, but it's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a thing that allows you to have a, a companion with mm-hmm. you that I didn't immediately think Palico. Yeah, of course, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Um, but I but there's there's a part of me that like almost thinks it'd be going against the design philosophy of the game, because the, 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 the person who wrote this is like very, very much wanted it to be a, like, in a world where violence doesn't exist anymore. All I have to say is, there's nothing to say that you couldn't bring back the clock to, I don't know, a hundred years after they've discovered that this was all bad ideas. Mm-hmm. And we should probably throw down our weapons. And maybe at the end of the Monster Hunter World arc, they discover, like, we've been doing this wrong the whole time. Right, we should retire the Fifth Fleet. And we need to retire. And stuff like that. Yeah, and, this has yeah. all been based on a, a core lie that was told to somebody at the beginning that the notes were lost. The first fleet knew the truth and were never seen for that reason. Yeah, you know, you kind of that, thing. Yeah. But basically, the 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 core concept of this, like like I said, I I, I call it Monster Healer World. I think that's I, legit because I think it's I think it's perfect. the The game is basically if Doctor House and Crocodile Hunter, if Steve Irwin had a baby and then raised that baby, watching a lot of Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah. Um. If you have ever tried to give your cat a pill mm-hmm. or a bath. Mm-hmm. Or God forbid, both. Mm-hmm. 
And you thought, while well, fighting that monster, <laughs> this would make an interesting game mechanic. Because you don't want to hurt it. <laughs> you don't want to hurt it. You may it get is, frustrated. It is in that creature's best interest, but by God, five out of six ends of that animal are sharp. <laughs> true. That's so true. <laughs> so true. And it doesn't. It may not fully understand what is going on. It just understands that that pail is unpleasant, and it does not want it in its mouth. Yeah, and it's... It is a very like you said. It is it is after fighting has is done, and a long time. It's not yeah. like it was yesterday. Like the swords that were plate were that were put to plowshares, have been all but forgotten, except for the ringing in everyone's ear that war is over. Mm-hmm. That this is not how we live. It's been a thousand years since there's been a war in this world. Yeah, for good reason. Um, and that. Monsters are not, as we know them, capital M terrors that, you know, roam in the night. These are creatures. Mm-hmm. They're only classified as monsters because they're big. Yeah. And they're kind of not fully understood. They're part of nature. They have they're a bit of a of... mystical aspect to them where they can grant power to people that they've mm-hmm. created, that they've crafted partnerships with. Yeah, but at the same time, like, how they fit into the ecosystem also feels odd. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know everything that they do because they are a monster. Like, okay, if we studied them to the nth degree, we may be able to catch up, a, catch a glimpse of how much we understand, but they're magical and everything else along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and bring much to the world. I got it. So, okay. Um, so in that sense, there's a, like a, I would say there's a grace of Pokemon in that, in that, like, Pokemon kind of alludes to the fact that there's not a full understanding of them. There's a good study, but there are still so much you don't know about other, where they fit into the world. Yeah, the the other the other sort of Pokemon S aspect that I that I, I um definitely identify in this is that the world itself is kind of contrived. Oh, very much so. And very contrived in this whole like, oh it's a peaceful utopia and things you know, ba- basic aspects of human nature like greed. Mm-hmm. Um and wrath and stuff of that essentially don't exist anymore. And everybody just, you know, holds hands and sings songs and kumbayas. But you know what? Okay, cool. I I need that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if if I'm if I if I can believe that there are giant monsters in the world, I can believe that human beings can get along for goddamn once, you know. Yeah, just as much as you could say like Every corporation is against every other corporation, and there are this a secret network of Johnsons that deal out every deal without having any law problems related to them. Like, that's as much of a contrivance, right? Or that laser weaponry works yeah. in, in some open fashion. Yeah, exactly. So if you can contrive that, you can contrive this. It's 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 a contrivance in a fun way, in yeah. that it's like, oh, there's these mystical monsters, and, you know, cool. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right, I neat, you know. So let me do my standard history. Yeah. Get this done with. Um, so back in July, August of 2020, they kickstarted for 72,000, almost 73,000 um, from only 2,027 backers. It's a relatively small for like for, a lot compared to a lot of the other projects that we've seen. And stuff. 100%. That, but, but I mean, 72,000 still in the gaming industry. Like usually you see kids yes. kickstarted for like a couple thousand, maybe as much as 10 or 20,000 if yeah. you're really going overboard. So still, 72, even though it's a smaller project, is still a lot. And for what they were able to generate from mm-hmm. that is beautiful, yeah. without a doubt. Um, Sandy, Absolutely gorgeous book. Yeah. Sandy Pug Games started as a uh, board game design company mm-hmm. originally. Um, Liam Ginty uh, kind of has this 
very co-op supportive design mm -hmm. uh, in, his, in, in their life uh, in the sense that, like, they're into um, co-op food, uh, you know, shelter kind of stuff. Uh, sure. Finds, and it, it definitely spills out into the game design and world in, in amazing ways. Mm -hmm. um, but just very supportive. And, and that crossed over all of the, 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 the system. No matter where I looked for Monster Hunter uh, or <laughs> Monster Care Squad, mm -hmm. I was always finding, you know, intermixed, supportive, uh, understanding people. It was just a, yeah. a very close community that was very supportive of this. Yeah. And it's very accessible. Mm -hmm. Like, searching for it to find it, you can find the whole book. On his indie page, or on their on, on I should say on um, uh, Sandy Pug's page, mm -hmm. like you could dig through the book digitally if you want to, and probably play the game just fine. Yep. But like you can also order it directly from their website for twenty five bucks. Yeah, that's, and that's how I got it. And most people like who find it at their local gaming stores just message on that site or just like, hey, can I also get the digital code? Yeah, here you go. And mm -hmm. again, that's that comfortable indie support because. They left the tabletop gaming world because it was not a place to survive. Yeah. And this gave them the opportunity to continue making products. And they have a series of games. Um, but uh, if you get a chance and you're very and you're interested in this and you, you want to keep listening, I highly recommend uh, if you want to know more about Sandy Pug and development in general, kickstarting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Pen and Paper People podcast uh, did an interview uh, with Liam, uh, and you can find it there. It's like about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, they do talk a little bit about the game, but there's a lot that they go into just in game design and what how they feel about it, where a lot of their inspirations came from. And it's, it's a very candid conversation, but it's really good. Um, but it gave me a bit more insight on where everything was coming together to make this particular world, which I really like. Yeah. I really, really do like yeah, it. Yeah, it really is. Um, tell me about character creation. All right, so uh, we play as specialists. Um, essentially, we are uh, uh, veterinarian um, uh, adventurers. Yeah. That, uh, that, that, that there were monster care specialists. We are the ones that uh, when a monster um, is uh, in, in this world of Aldamora, is <laughs> suffering from the... Uh, there's a there's a poison that is kind of leaked into the world. Virus um, poison. We're not entirely sure. Not entirely sure, and we're not entirely sure where it came from. Right. Um, I, I will admit, I did not read the book cover to cover. So if there is a revelation in there of where it comes from, um, I did not. But I also think that they intimated a couple times in what I did read that um, that's entirely left up to your table to mm -hmm. decide. Even if you do want to address where the uh, where this this poison comes from. Right. Uh, it's called the false gold. And it mm -hmm. kind of infects and kind of mutates and drives monsters a little buggy. So yeah. um, they tend to start lashing out and kind of becoming problems and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and so out of compassion, yeah, uh, we as uh, uh, monster care specialists will go out and throw ourselves in front of that and try to make sure that that monster can be cured of the, go of the, the false gold. Mm -hmm. uh, so... In making our character creation, uh, this is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, so a lot of these things are going to sound familiar to anybody who uh, understands Powered by the Apocalypse. You've got, um, it's, it's a very f sparse, very free sort of character creation. Um, 
you're kind of able to make up your own, um, not really attributes, but like your trainings and your backgrounds and stuff like that. There's no real like set lists to choose from or anything like that. So you have a lot of leverage when, when creating your character. Um, things that are set in stone, there are five attributes. You've got force, fine, grit, acuity, and allure. Force is basically your strength, fine is basically dexterity, grit is basically toughness or constitution, acuity is basically intelligence, and allure is basically charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, four of these things you will fill in with a training that is associated with your with that attribute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then one of them, you'll also give a background. Which this I is, love. This isn't something that you're going to be... Uh, that isn't part of your training. Like, you didn't specifically go to school to become a monster care specialist and learn this thing. That is a training. Mm-hmm. A background is something that you bring from other aspects of your life, be it your culture, be it your upbringing, yeah. be it a hobby. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you could have, like, your character started out as, like, a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And then went in to become a specialist, so they're strong from their wrestling and they can wrestle things. Right. Oh, what, monsters are the size of elephants and need to be need to take their pills? Okay, cool. I'll I got hold, this. I'll hold his, I'll hold his mouth open. Yeah, no problem. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um. And uh, they also said that, you know, you, you want to pair these up, each one of these up with an attribute. Mm-hmm. And um, it can say a lot about your character, what you pair with what. Uh, in, in the book, it says something effective. Someone someone who performs surgery with force, as, as opposed to fine, mm-hmm. says a much different thing about your character. Correct. <laughs> um, so you fill those in. Uh, basically, where these, where these trainings and this background comes in is, is if the role you're trying to make um, if that particular training or background applies to the situation in which you are making that role, mm-hmm. then you get a plus one to that role. Yeah, simple that's, enough. That's it. It just leans into your wheelhouse a little bit. Yep. Um, you're going to assign each one of those, uh, um, each one of those attributes a uh, either a plus or a minus. Mm-hmm. And if I took any other power by the apocalypse game, your your skills go from plus three to minus three. You're going to start off with two plus ones, a single minus one, and two zeros. Mm-hmm. Um, those directly translate to uh, die roll modifiers. Yes. Uh, you then choose signature equipment. Which I love is just uh, something that helps you with your job. Yep. Like, that's there's, it. There's no set list. There's Mm-mm. no stats for anything. It's just, uh, what's what's a thing that's unique to you that you bring? Right. I have a giant ladle. All right. Okay. Cool. That, that helps me deliver, you know, medicine. Yeah, look, hey, if you need, if you if you have like a soup or a, you know, yeah, the, <laughs> some the sort of that, liquid medicine they need to take, was it I'm like, sure that ladle is going to come into play, you know? It, like an adamantine bowl that's indestructible. Yes. So like you can yes. make like a chili that like is 20,000 degrees because it's got to get up to a certain temperature. Secure that lava monster, Correct. of course. Yeah. Correct, because, you know, it's, it's got to get the thing it'll eat. Yeah, so you got to get it up to temperature and then deliver it, you know, and uh-huh. that, that thing will do it, you know, kind yep. of a thing. I, I love that concept. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, then you choose a specialty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a unique trick your character can do. Again, there's no set list. There's some uh, descriptions of like good ones and bad ones. Um, but it's things like you can identify plants by their smell alone. Or you can run faster than anyone else in your group. You know, mm-hmm. not that you can run, you know, faster than the speed of sound or anything like that. Don't go over the top with them. Don't try to, you know, make yourself superhuman unless that's the type of game you're playing. Then everybody's going to be superhuman. But just do something that makes you fun and interesting and gives you a neat little quirk to how your character works, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And then we've got a list of moves. Mm -hmm. 
um, that you can kind of choose from, and you pick two. And it's it's an extensive list, but like that list of those moves fall into some of the mechanics. So it's not just a mm-hmm. move. It's a move that sits within the mechanics of the game. Yeah. Whereas, like, Powered by the Apocalypse moves were very generalized mm-hmm. in some of the other games, whereas this one is like, nope, this move is really targeted for this specific action style and position in the story. Exactly. Like and we, that's, that, that is cool. We talked about, you know, like, okay, you're, so your background is you used to be a sumo wrestler mm-hmm. and, like, grappling with a monster that is, you know, the size of an elephant or something like that, mm-hmm. trying to get it to eat its pills. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a move called What Do You Have in Your Mouth mm-hmm. that is specifically, like, that's the move. Mm-hmm. It is grapple with the monster and try to put it in a position where others can act upon it to heal it. Yeah. You and it's it, it almost reminds me of um, Spirited Away and getting Haku to eat the pill. Yeah. And like, like, just not caring and shoving a pill down the throat, exactly. you know? Exactly. I mean, that's Monster Care Squad in, in of, right there, yep. in a nutshell, that yeah. scene. Yeah, 100%. Like, what did you eat? Mm-hmm. What is that? <laughs> like, drop it. Drop, drop it. it. Yeah, exactly. Drop it, you know? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. One of the other moves is called Crikey. Okay, which is one of the big reasons why I put I mentioned Steve Irwin in the yeah, intro here. That's, is that's because, thoughtful. Uh, it's something like the um, if you exclaim loudly and then grab the creature, yeah, uh, you can like discern certain things about it and like essentially create a rapport with it. And even if you fail, you still learn something about it. But it but it struggles free from yeah. you. And you ain't she a beaut? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you just want to say that, you exactly. know? Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's it's nice to see Steve Irwin memor- memor- uh, memorialized in. Uh, but I, in I, th- game I like think this, it, you know? I think it sits in a very good company with this game. It does. It really does. It does. That man just wanted to watch the world well, learn, and you know? his his family has done such a wonderful job following it up that I think they sit in a special place in this story. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, having those moves sit within the phases, I think, really draws you then immediately to, okay, now I've made my character, what do these things fit into? What is What are these phases that we're talking about? Yeah. Um, but the, the moves themselves dictate some level of change mm-hmm. within the narrative, which which is something the Power of the Apocalypse dubs does very well. Sure, sure. You know, so we've got these... Um, I'll kind of uh, talk about it because I don't want to get so much farther into the phases just yet. But the idea that there are these clocks effectively that are talking about how long you how, how something's moving forward or backward. Sure, sure. Um, within those, it cues off in certain places. So basically, your your move being successful puts a gives you points forward effectively yeah. and can be keyed off in other places and sometimes is necessary to be keyed off in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, not getting too far into the monsters themselves. There are times when you're like, you need to use an ace or nothing happens or you have to sacrifice a move. Yeah. You know, yeah. that fits and that that's a requirement. And so everybody's like, Oh crap, I got to use one of my moves to get through this part. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. You know? And, but it also pushes that narrative part. So, okay. So tell me how you're doing that move. What's happening here. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a marriage very good of narrative and some directive there, very directed narrative to how the game plays through. Yet it's still the basic success rate of, 10 plus for great, 7 to 9 for partial, and anything 6 or less is a failure. Mm-hmm. And there's no hard fail. 
there's no place where it's just going to be like you're there, no no critical failures. Yeah, yeah, and and keeping in mind, of course, like I said at the beginning here, that there's no way to receive or 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 deal damage. So it's never going to yeah. be like if you fail, you die. Yeah, there's you no know? conditions. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're making that up as you go along in the narrative mm-hmm. and and carrying that however you choose. Yes, which is lovely. Um. But you've got all of the pieces from the character that adds on to those moves, everything from their equipment uh, to their uh, specialties um, to make it move forward through these phases in a comfortable way and make the moves come to life. Yeah, and of course there's there's a generic list of moves for each one of the three phases as well Right, uh, that can be done there that's kind of shared by everybody. Um. And then some of these moves, uh, part of the, kind of part of the advancement mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another part that I really liked about this game yeah. is that um, by healing these monsters, um, when you heal a monster successfully, you gain. That's when you advance. There's no XP. It's basically just go cure a monster. You know. Um, and when they do, some of them will will grant you a gift as a as a way of saying thank you. And some of those moves, some of your personal moves, can be upgraded yeah. with a monster gift. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um I, I just love that whole concept of, of advancement being a gift. Yeah. It's something that you don't see in other games. Like your advancement is just something you do mm-hmm. after you get the XP for murdering that thing or completing that thing. Well, this is another reason why I really think that Liam had to have some interaction with Monster Hunter at some point. Because yeah. the gameplay loop in that game is uh, kill or capture the monster and then use bits of the monster to make your weapons and equipment. Yep. Which will have some of those the attributes of that monster and use that in, a, in an elaborate game of Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizard, Spock to... Do the next thing. Do the next thing. Yeah. So if you've got a setting where you're not killing the monsters but you're healing them, how do you then... What, what do you gain? What do you gain? Well, you gain that monster's friendship and trust. Right. And or a specialty gift that helps you in some other way. Yeah, you know. And so so think of, you know, if you if you cure a a, uh, a Rathion, right. you know, if he then says, okay, well, I'm a fire wyvern, you can now have, you know, immunity to fire because right. I have control over that. Right. Cool. Yeah. You know? And, and maybe you get scales. Yeah. Some of their scales grow on you in a way. Exactly. Exactly. You start yeah. showing aspects of that monster's gift to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that concept, too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that f- those physical manifestations, wings, scales, uh, ears, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there, there's a certain sense of like, okay, so now we're all becoming anthropomorphic. Yes, mm-hmm. to a degree, we don't understand where the monsters come from. There's nothing to say that it isn't just highly evolved mix and match, you know, kind of stuff. That specialists weren't always, yeah, you know, weren't weren't as prevalent. Maybe they were lost for a time. Maybe with know? enough monster power, you become the monster too, but not in the traditional sense of Correct. like you know, you just you ascend. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. It's your game. You decide. Face of bow. Yeah, basically. <laughs> for those Doctor Who fans. Um but yeah, it's two d six, simple, easy. Two d six plus your modifiers. Yeah. Uh, if your if your training or background comes into play, plus one. Yeah, yeah. There is, there's kind of a die chart that they have in it, but it's unnecessary because really it's just a, uh, it's a reference mm-hmm. point. So uh, if you see it uh, while you're looking up this game, understand that doesn't mean dice in the same way. Uh, now we're gonna talk a little bit about the phases here. Uh, mm-hmm. The phases are really like this to me is the. F- 
Oh, God, this is such a well-put-together game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the game is played traditionally in three phases, and you can kind of blur the lines of them a little bit, depending on what yeah. your narrative calls for, mm-hmm. okay? Um, there's a, a dozen ways you can set up a, a monster hunt, mm-hmm. I suppose. I'm going to call it a hunt, but understand that we're not we're not killing or capturing. I'm going to say we're, it's an investigation. Yeah, we are, we are hunting them down to cure them. Correct. Um, but there's still a lot of aspects of, like, hunting the monster in that you need it there is an investigation phase which is mm-hmm. the very first thing you do you need to find the monster mm-hmm. you need to figure out what environment that monster is in what environment should it be in mm-hmm. um is that environment you know causing any of its problems mm-hmm. um is uh uh is there anything else in that environment that is causing the problem right you know like, maybe they got pushed out of their previous biome and space, and now they're in someplace unknown that's not only, like, they got pushed out, but they're not comfortable here. They don't know what to eat. They don't know how to live. Right. We, we talked about two, 200,000, you know, degree chili that can only be, you know, prepared in this bowl to be fed to a lava monster. What if they're in a temperate environment? How are they handling that? Yeah, what if they're stuck behind a waterfall now or something like that? You know, some floods came in and there's now water they just all look them. like a rock monster. Yeah, but they're angry. They're right. the angriest rock monster ever because mm-hmm. they're cold. Because they're cold. They're very cold. Yeah. I'm grumpy when I'm cold. I get it. You don't want to deal it. with me. I get it. You know. Um, and what's it, what's uh, interesting then is that you move from there once you have something in your investigation or an understanding, mm-hmm. you move to synthesis, which is preparing to take care of said monster exactly with either a potion or knowing how to remove the thorn effectively or or whatever it is to remove the wounds that this uh false gold is causing them right and get them healed and not only that but also preparing things like traps or Mm -hmm. lures or whatever else that you might need to secure the monster so that you can cure it yes um you know, we, we talked about uh, shaking the proverbial treat bag at it, you yes. know, of like, oh, 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 you, you like, you like hot things? I have 2000 degree chili for you. Come mm-hmm. on over here. A little closer, a little closer. No, you're getting the hole. All right. <laughs> now take your medicine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, and in some cases it might be moving them to a different biome Ex- to get them calmer. Exactly. Exactly. But again, that's all narrative. That's all within mm-hmm. the story. That has that, That's all frame reference. Now, those first two phases, your investigation phase and your synthesis phase. Um, so finding out what you need to do and then preparing the things that you need to do so that you can move into the last phase, which is called symbiosis, which is where you're actually physically uh, working with the monster to try to cure it. Yep. Um, struggling with it. Yeah, administering it. the cur- cure, if you will. Administering the cure. Um, these two phases work on clocks, and we've mm-hmm. talked about clocks a lot. They're, they're a pretty common thing in Powered by the Apocalypse mm-hmm. games. Um, but this game uses them in a, just a pretty uh, straightforward way. Yeah. Um, in that, essentially, they're just uh, progress tracks. Both you progressing toward a success with the said monster, and the monster pushing against you. Well, no, 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 that's the symbiosis phase. That's true, that's right, that's, that's true. The, the, the first two phases. Oh, that's right, within just this is... Basically, yes. just, basically, just a progress tracker. To see how far you've gotten. Sure, yeah. and you, you, may, you may succeed in some, you may fail in some. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you may fail in all of them. Yeah. That doesn't mean you fail the investigation and you can't go after the monster. 
It just means that maybe you're just not set up for you know you're gonna you're just gonna have to soldier ahead anyways into the into the the synthesis phase. You know, yep. you just you just don't have a lot of great information, but you're gonna use your best guesses to try to produce a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are where you're gonna kind of try to use your moves to set yourself up for success. You mm-hmm. don't have to get everything. Um, but that's when you move into the symbiosis phase. When yes. you've got your sleeves rolled up, you've got your cure cooked up, you've got all the preparation you think you need done. Now we go into what is essentially a gamified, elaborate tug-of-war Yes, with this monster. Um, so you've kind of got this progress track that mm-hmm. goes from D4, D6, D8, D10, D12. So it's got five spaces on it. Right. You start at the D4 end. The monster starts at the D12 end. And then you start pushing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because you've got these different moves. And again, you've, you're bringing with you the resources that you had in the synthesis phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moves are going to be such that you're essentially trying to put the monster in a position of... I'm going to say disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But you basically, you can only try to cure the monster after you have pushed it back on the track. Mm-hmm. Okay? Which indicates... It's it's an abstract indication of you gaining momentum, gaining mm-hmm. a position of control. Be it, you know, maybe you've worked, tired them out. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've pinned them down. Maybe you've just befriended them enough that they're, you know, okay with this moment. That is all relative. You yep. don't know. Whatever the story calls for. Yep. But either way, you've gotten them to a point of general submission. In a, in, and I say that in a very general way. And they are prepared to receive the, the, the healing. Sometimes that submission is, shh, sun's getting real low. Yes. <laughs> Gen- go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And sometimes it is, what if you got in your mouth? Open, open. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you're never hurting the thing. That is yes. Ne- the, your first guide is always to care for the monster. Do no harm. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and technically, you can't hurt the thing. No, nope, good luck with it. not in the rules of the game. Nope, not there. Um, And they can't hurt you. So mm-hmm. it's just an elaborate wrestling match of trying to get your cat to eat its pill. Yep. Um, Now... If you succeed, then and no, monsters will have multiple wounds essentially that you are all trying to cure. So, and then each wound essentially gives them kind of a special ability. So, mm-hmm. as you're curing them, the fight is technically getting easier because you're removing aspects of the false gold that is making them more powerful mm-hmm. um, as a foe. And so, it's this kind of like tug of war, wrestling match, battle of attrition. Trying, it's, it's actually a lot like sumo wrestling, if you understand the rules mm-hmm, to that, mm-hmm. where you're both trying to push the other one out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, if the monster backs you off of the D4 side, you can either spend one of your aces, which is kind of like a meta currency you can build mm-hmm. up with your successes in the mm-hmm. previous things. You can either spend one of your one of your aces to stay in the fight, or sometimes you just need to retreat. Yeah. Retreat, regroup, rethink things, maybe mm-hmm. bring in some reinforcements, get some bonuses, mm-hmm. come back and try it again. Yeah, and there's nothing to say that you can't say what we were trying isn't going to work. Let's redo the investigation and uh, synthesis phase. Yeah. And retry a different way. Mm-hmm. That's story. Go ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to bang your head against the rock every single time. Yeah. The same way. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. 
Uh, and that's and that's basically it. It's just pushing the monster around, trying not to get pushed yourself, and mm-hmm. then just making them take their medicine. Yes. And at the end of all that, once you've cured them completely, they're going to be grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Your characters advance mm-hmm. in some way. You can either increase one of your attributes. You can unlock the monster gift ability of one of your two moves that are mm-hmm. special to your to your specialist. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that's basically it. It's just a charming little game about finding a monster and doing and doing right by it. Yeah, and looking through the mechanics of it, I think one of the things that triggered the most for me when I was looking at it in a pure mechanical sense is that it actually gives meaning to advancement better than most games do. Mm-hmm. Like D and D at its core. If you get back to you know old school chainmail i'm going into a dungeon to get loot the core of the game was get loot loot equals xp Mm -hmm. like that was the core of the game you know find dungeon crawl dungeon steal take the loot i am bet i am better for it right simple easy straightforward we lost that like the purpose for why we fight we've had to create that purpose and when that purpose got created there the reason for advancement fell away it became like oh because i'm getting you know i get to be level four what does that really mean well i figured things out how Mm -hmm. where did your special ability just come from you can just teleport now yeah okay like did you find another wizard's tome no but now you know how to teleport yep figured it out last week you figured that out it took you you weren't studying anything You've been beating up on these dudes for the last two months. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't fit in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you can arguably say, well, my God just gave me more abilities because I've done more for them. Okay, sure. that you, you could do that direction on it. But that doesn't work for everybody in for, in fact, most classes. So, But this game directly shows you, like, thank you. Thank you for taking care of this. Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? kind of a thing. Sometimes that's a direct question. The real treasure is the friends you make along the way. In fact, the whole point of the game is making friends along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I and like the idea again, I, I come back to Spirited Away. We're mm-hmm. like taking care of the water spirit grants uh Cho the the gift of a pill that she didn't know she would need. Mm-hmm. And then that did something else. Yeah. You know, that's a narrative beat of like, I'm going to accept this specialty item. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I know it's going to heal somebody in the future. Sounds like a great gift. Oh, God. No face would be such a great monster to fight. Mm-hmm. Where's Sen? I want Sen! Exactly. Well, I mean, but but that madness, mm-hmm. all the extra appendages, yeah. the craze, all that's... of that fits in this world. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, very, very Monster Care Squad there, yeah. Let me let me let me take that and open a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So Aldemora, um, is this incredibly is is built with these monsters that are incredibly beautiful beings. They are not fully understood, but they're respected, they're revered, there are friendships with these monsters out there. And the world, like you said, is beyond kings, beyond rulers, beyond conflict, beyond capitalism Mm -hmm. you know the existence is almost utopian until this virus this false gold comes forward and starts infecting the monsters um 
and giving them pain, suffering, which causes them to rampage because they they don't know what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. There's not a direct communicational channel here. Like, imagining, imagine if, like, a giant Pikachu couldn't communicate with anyone and one day was just like, yeah, now you have, like, thorns that grow into your skin and three extra eyes. Yeah, everybody's getting a thunder jolt. Exactly. Yep. exactly. And that, that's how he's going to communicate. That mm -hmm. is how he's going to communicate. And I, I look at, like, Princess Mononoke and the very first opening scenes of that movie where you have this boar mm -hmm. who is obviously in pain and suffering just on the rampage. Yeah. Like, the number of, you know, Fs that he gives is zero. In fact, it's approaching negative as he just goes <laughs> to town. Um, and that is a great depiction of what the false uh, false gold does. Is it? It's in their pores. It drips out of their eyes. It's easy to tell that they're infected. And people know it because they've... They, they know that that creature, it lives among them, mm -hmm. leads the boars in summer from planting yard to, you know, from, from forest to land so that they may breed. What else? We're not sure what else, but we know we see it then. This year, the boars didn't come, but we found this ichor. Yeah. And a few of our hunters got close uh, and saw, you know, this, mon you know, saw the monster of it and were terrified what may be happening to it. Not of it. Obviously, it lives here. So do we. Like, we're going to have to figure that out. But, like, how are we going to live? Like, what's going to happen? Okay, well, let's let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, so, the rule of all of these care specialists is that do no harm is number one. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, the reiteration that there are no mechanics in the game for that. But it starts as a, as a very simple assumption and it isn't until you start looking through the book and putting together this narrative that you run across the idea of what they're really saying about the setting and that there's this lovely section um, where there's a letter straight up it's just a page and it's a letter from a specialist's mother to the specialist and it it shows how the game should be compassionate and supportive. And it really exposes the creator's notes and their viewpoints that, that this game shouldn't be about you bringing the contemporary setting of racism and sexism and bigotry into this world to fight. Mm -hmm. Those don't exist here. Stop, stop worrying about that. We're working on something else here. We're we're going to start with the assumption that we want to be inclusive, that we're supportive, that we're here together, and we're solving something worse. Yeah, we're her yeah. we're helping our friends, even if our friends don't understand us and they're rampaging. There's there's a there's a hurtful thing that has entered our world, and that thing is so repugnant to us that we are all going to band together to help one another. Yeah, to expel it. And within this narrative, there's a sub-narrative that, that get, splashes everywhere from the way that the achievements are presented and how that – and it's painted out in black and white in a very simple line. And the, this, this particular letter, the, 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 the mother goes on to say uh, that uh, she was upset with herself at how she responded to her child coming to the door after being gone, like had gone to education, became – 
uh, you know, a specialist went out and did rescues and walks through the door different. Now, we understand that, like, going to college changes you, but imagine if you went to college and then were out in your career field for five years and came back with wings mm. and claws and, like, maybe, like, I don't know, cat ears? But you walk in the door and there's a moment of horror that this isn't the child that I remember. Yeah, yeah. But it's not terror, right? And it talks about how sad they are that they had that the child had to see this, that the that their child had to see this, and how sorry they were. Mm-hmm. And there's a section that says, "My privilege is not holding a shape of you in amber, but to see you again as you are, however you are, whenever you come home again." Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, "I know what this subtext is saying." Stop tearing at my heartstrings. Yeah, those are some those are some trans feels right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can respect that, and I can yeah. understand that that is a love note of the creators to the people reading. Of this is my setting. Yeah, please don't pervert this. Yeah, this is what I'm trying to teach. And then the book goes on <clears throat> for another 92 pages of this 176 page book to talk about the cultures, the cities, the monsters, events that occur in them in an easily digestible way, like small paragraphs with beautiful art. Beautiful illustrations. And um, so colorful. These, these very wonderful, colorful images. But, like, there's a weather events section. There's poems in here. There's a, a, a six-page adventure that that helps you kind of get a start point of how the game should feel. And I love those. I love when there's a good adventure in there. But it ends with this epitaph to the last monster hunters. And it comes back to what you were saying and what we were kind of talking about the concept. And there's a small section at the end. And some of you may recognize some of the wording of this. And I want to read this. And this is to speak to the time when they did hunt the monsters and they ended that. And there's an image of uh, in watercolor of, of a hill filled with swords that have all been staked in the ground. Um, to kind of denote that this was the end of war. And it says, This place is not a place of honor. No esteemed deed is commemorated here. Nothing is valued here. What is here was dangerous and repulsive to us. What is here is dangerous in your time as it was in ours. The danger is unleashed only if you disturb this place physically. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah reminded me of kind of where this directly comes from, and some of you may recognize it as well. Lifted directly from a nuclear uh, nuclear waste uh, disposal site. Right. To warn people of how dangerous it truly is. Because thousands of years from now, when America is not but a memory in some historian's book, that stuff's still going to screw some people up if you dig it up. Yeah. It's a danger. Yeah. So I think it was a a beautiful mimicry of that Mm -hmm. for the same reasons. Like, don't come here and pull a sword out of the ground. Yeah. It will only cause a problem. And the thing about the setting is is that magic and technology are indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. Some places may have electricity or steampunk or straight-up magic going on around them. To do the things that they're doing. Floating islands. 
you know, flying cars, whatever. None of that is relevant. It is just a part of the nature. So you don't know whether this story is happening in some mystical place or our future some 5,000, 6,000 years from now. Yeah. You don't know. So the idea that something there is dangerous could be as simple as, yeah, there may have been swords there, but there's nothing to say there aren't nukes and laser cannons or whatever else among that space. But regardless, leave them. Yeah. There's, they're just as dangerous. Don't yep. do it. Just don't do this. So that steps me into the DM section. And I'm going to step into this by saying that they use the word guide. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the concept of a guide being the storyteller. Um, and they're there to basically use the same kind of Powered by the Apocalypse moves to move the story ahead. And they've got things you know that, that are recommended that these are your moves, your your present a friendly face that in need of help, uncover wisdom in a hidden place, put uh, put the town or its people in danger. You know, typical storyteller style moves that we, we do anyways in tor- storytelling. But there's this concept of a mentor character. Now, this is a GMPC. And it's sometimes put forward that, like, if you've got that one person who's just there to listen in, Maybe they're playing, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're thinking about, like, being kind of involved, but eh, you know, they're they're peanut gallery, really. Like, they're the, the girlfriend of someone who's playing there. Or they're, you know, they're the, they're the roommate who listens in. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could give them this guide PC and allow them to kind of help the group through the story, move through all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And sure, why not? Why not have a guide? The other thing that it says is that if you, as the storyteller, choose to run that guide PC, the game fundamentally changes in that any of the players can now grab from that guide move set to move the story forward, mm-hmm. which is great. Now it becomes co-op, true cooperative storytelling, and it's just that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can have a GM-less game with this, without a question. Very reminiscent of uh, kids on bikes. Yes. Uh, getting to run the, uh, the, the the super-powered character all as kind of a group activity. Yeah, yeah. which I, I you could easily do as well. Yeah. Um, which tends to, which means that you can also technically turn this all into solo mode if you want to and just play this game by yourself. There are rules for it it's in very, the game. The, and the rules, again, not complex in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, may, the, I may actually try a round of that or two. Why not? Yeah. Um, but the process of the actual monster activities has a very basic finish. We know we talked about the, the, the phases, but in truth, monsters have three wounds, mm-hmm. most of them. Some, some you could technically dial that back, but the average is three wounds that you have to... Some of them are active and some of them are passive. And what that means is, like, I may have a monster that has you know, brittle glass shards in its body. And that is a passive. So they have to spend an ace to approach the creature, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But it also might have gore as an active. Mm -hmm. And that gives them control, right, of a space. Yeah, darn right it does. So that's where... me with their horns, they've got control. Correct. So that's their kind of push that they can do. Mm -hmm. Um. And I, I'll use the term their push as what control is there. Yeah. And then you have something powerful like a verdant beam, right? Which not only will push the players, you know, will cause a push for our players, but it might also require an ace or move the monster forward mm-hmm. in a control space as well. And each one of these has to be overcome 
as a wound, as a recovery piece. Yeah. To finish out the phase clock to say, this is now a healed monster. Mm-hmm. And that that is really what closes that final phase. Um, so you can see how their abilities change the move structure and create help push that tug of war back and forth a little bit more each yep. time. Yep. But still, it's not like you're trying to hurt them. You're curing parts of this thing. Yep. Or controlling parts of it through different aspects of your abilities and your aces, you know, as you spend them or your your skill sets. Um, and your your investigation and synthesis phases, successes that say, oh, we figured this thing out. Like the glass shards uh, example where you've got that as a, you have to spend an ace to approach it. That ace could have been garnered through investigation or through uh um synthesis sure so absolutely. where you're like oh it has glass growing out of its body how do we want to manage that well let's get it into i don't know sand mm-hmm. so that it's that it, it isn't hurting itself as it's as it's rolling around fantastic idea mm-hmm. like great let's let's focus on so there's your ace that you can drop later yeah you know kind of a yeah. thing and so those kind of things add to that narrative of like okay how are you going to handle each one of these so as a storyteller you kind of have to know your monster to be able to have those investigative moments of like okay you've discovered that it has glass shards how is how is this thing that you just figured out going to be managed and now that adds to the narrative and puts those images in the minds of the players immediately mm-hmm. and it it is very thematic but allows the cinema to come out between the players as this push and pull happens yeah absolutely i love it i really do love that so you want to go into closing thoughts i don't think say why not all right i think we have a lot still say about it in closing (laughs) uh all right so what do we what do we think this does well um i mean for me absolutely just a charming light-hearted fun world that like directly says violence and, and evil basically doesn't exist here mm-hmm. this game is a hundred percent about healing and helping yeah um i remember back in the day reading an article i want to say it was in, like forbes or something like that when um uh legend of zelda majora's mask had come out mm-hmm. okay and they were flabbergasted about this game's success because it was an entirely game. Uh, the, the game was entirely about arranging your schedule so that you could best help literally everyone that you can possibly meet. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can't like, we, we all wanted, you know, the, the game, you know, like, Oh, video games just teach you how to hurt people. Like, and this was the game that was no. like, no, you can actually make a whole game out of just helping people. And this is this is that. Mm-hmm. This is exactly that, you know. Yeah. If you're if you're getting sick of, you know, just violence and conquering, give this, give this one a shot. Yeah. This I, is a real feel good game. I I feel that this I wouldn't say opens the genre, but I definitely mm-hmm. think it's a hallmark of that recovery glory and that helping can lead to wonderful things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um the uh, uh, tiny tiny tavern kind of thing that mm-hmm. I was looking into, where the world, yeah, the world may be terrible, but right here we help. Yeah, you know that concept that we can make a difference by helping, by doing something positive, in in a place where negativity was all that sat around. 
and and even even in most other games, like even if you are doing something positive, like okay, we're gonna go rescue the princess. How are you gonna do that? We're gonna kill the dragon that that that, that kidnapped her. Yeah. Okay, so you're solving it with violence, you know? Yeah. Oh, but the farmer's daughter's been kidnapped by goblins. Cool. What are you gonna do when you get there? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously we're gonna kill the goblins and rescue the daughter, right? Okay, cool. Some more killing, you know? Yeah. It's just who you're gonna direct your violence against. Yeah. This is. This yeah. is just that one step removed from that. And I'll, I'll say, if you've got players in your games, in your D&D games, who are already trying to make the wolves their friends, yeah. you know, or get the, you know, the beholder a contact <laughs> lens or something like that, by all means, this is the game they really should be playing. Yeah, yeah. If, if, you're, if you're playing with the 14-year-old girls who decided to sit your orc war chief down and give them therapy, yeah. uh, this, is, this is absolutely the game they need to be playing. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> But it also, I don't feel that this game is necessary, but it is a good lens. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to this, you're like, that sounds like a really cool idea. Do it. Mm -hmm. Change your game. There is nothing to say that you can't put these aspects in your game and give your players another choice. Some of the mechanics in this fundamentally work. The idea of investigating, the idea of coming up with a solution, and then figuring out how you're going to do that solution in a way that it doesn't harm anyone, or harms as little as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So that at the end, everyone can succeed, right? And move forward from this. That That is fantastic. So in that sense, this game does a great job of presenting problem solving in a much better light. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exceptionally forgiving in its mechanics. Yeah, it really is. Like if you get, like, if you get pushed out of a, uh, out of a, I don't know, put this in giant air quotes. I'm just going to use the word fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get pushed out of a fight with a monster. Um, you know, it's not like anybody gets hurt or anything like that. It's just, okay, we need to re, you know, we need to retreat and reassess. Maybe do some better planning, come back better equipped. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like to go try yeah. it again, you yeah. know? Every other game, it's like, oh, man, we got our butts kicked and so-and-so died. And like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to figure this out. We'll have it to get a, a new adventurer. Total party wipe. No, no, nobody's nobody's wiped. Mm-mm. I mean, maybe you're, you're wiped out like as entired, but like yeah. sleep on it. Come right. back with more equipment tomorrow and do it again. Right. But it also kind of bends away from the you will succeed, but there will be consequences. Yeah. You don't have to succeed every time. Yeah. The consequence is you got to try again a little differently. So with... For that, this game does a is probably one of the first role playing games where failure is an option, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, tell me another tabletop game where failure, not success with consequence, is really an option mm-hmm. at the end of your adventure. Yeah, to create more narrative. It's hard to think about. It really is. It really is. Like, I'd be interested to hear from our Discord members after listening to this, if you can find another system that has failure that creates more narrative. Mm -hmm. And the game supports that. Mm -hmm. Not you as a storyteller. The game. Yeah. You know, because even Mouse Guard doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. You just fail forward. (laughs) That's right. You do the thing, but you might take some consequences. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I get you. All right. So uh, where does uh, does Monster Care Squad uh, uh, not... uh... Not fire on um, every cylinder here. I'm going to say the one thing that kind of sits for me is the same problem that most Powered by the Apocalypse games have. Mm-hmm. But I think it I think it handles it better than most. And that is is the, yeah, anything will do. 
Your yeah. specialty is fine. Yeah. Like, what's your tool? Whatever. And it's like, uh, you gave me like three examples, but that doesn't really fit for the character that I have, so I don't understand. This game fills that gap pretty well, but it still sits there. So, like, on the uncomfortable level, it's like a 2 of 10. Where yeah. some other games sit it way higher than that. I could, I could, I could feel myself bristling just a little bit because I do need a tiny bit of crunch as a treat. You mm-hmm. know, um, I need, I need just a little definition just to give me a shove in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, Monster Care Squad was very loose. Like, just give me a list to pick off of. Mm-hmm. But they give like here's five suggestions, but really you can do whatever you want. The one thing that I did see was there mm-hmm. are some people who've created playbooks, mm-hmm. basically for pre-gen characters, and the, it's it's nice. Oh, I'd like They're that. They're really nice. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, give, give me give me some examples. I think I looked for some sample characters and I couldn't find them, but I, I, I did skim pretty quick. I was yeah. They're 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 out there. They're not nearly as easy to find. Um, that that's definitely true because again, this is not a genre that is most accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other side of this. And it's I wouldn't say that it's not something that it does well, but I would definitely put it on the negative scale. And that is is y- you may not find players ready to play this. Mm-hmm. And you may be very gung-ho about, like, I really want to try something that's hopeful and light. And your players are like, can I just shoot something in the head? Can I go kill some 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 goblins? Can you tell me, you know, can you let me fight the darkness, you know, directly? Like, that's what I need today. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, like, a lot of people want it. And secondly, the, there's no glory in this, right? It is a It is a personal achievement game. It is not like you're going to get the plus four sword of might, you know, no, and don new armor. But you might get wings, you know? And that's the thing, is that it, those kinds of achievements are also chosen. Yeah. You know, you the power fantasy concept is definitely not in this game. Mm-hmm. That is yeah, not what you're, you're... You're never going to have a power fantasy in this game, and that's kind of a turnoff to a lot of people who play. It's true. You know, whether it's whether it's a board game or a TTRPG. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that sense, the general consensus of people who sit at your table won't be able to palette enough of this mm-hmm. in some cases. Is it a bad game? By all means, no. Is it is it going to be challenging to find that it'll fit for your table? Possibly. Could you play it with less people? 100%. Yeah. And that's the yeah. one thing you have to remember. You don't need six people to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it might excel in a smaller group. Yeah. 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 I would say probably a good ideal group for something like this might be just like three, three. maybe three? maybe yeah. four. You get more than four or five in it, and it would it would feel weird. I, I couldn't imagine running a six-person game of this. Mm-hmm. It'd be crazy fun. There'd be a lot of hijinks going on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, th- think of it like a Monster Hunter game where you're only going to have like two other compatriots. And maybe a Pelico running around with you, you know, kind of a thing. It should be something that is lighter and quicker, and it is definitely going to have that feel. Yeah, Knox actually uh, uh, has a great little insight here in the live show chat. He says, uh, helping isn't always stress relieving. It can be, but it's also not. I stress over not being able to help and know that they're in pain. I don't stress when I'm just blowing something's head off. See, and that is, I, I agree. That is a great way of, uh, that's a, di- a different way, but a great way of, of explaining yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, it's a different mindset to step into. And, you know, I mean, having, having I say recently, recently in the last year, uh, lost my, my you know, companion of, uh, of 18 years. Mm. Um, 
and especially in the later uh you know later years of her life uh, had a lot of uh, health issues and stuff like that there is that there definitely is a pain that comes with I know you don't fully understand what is going on. Yeah. And you are struggling against me because you think I am trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I need you to understand this is in your best interest. But yeah. if you don't take this pill, you're going to continue to be miserable. Yeah. And that that hurts. Mm-hmm. That hurts to, you know, know that you need to wrestle this being pinch the sides of its cheeks to get it to open its mouth just long enough and then, you know, shove something into its mouth that is yucky. Yeah. For their own good, yeah. you know? And, and I, if you've got a game mechanic built around doing that, I can understand that could be fr- kind of stressful. Yeah. I will say this. The other thing that this has a giant void in is it basically takes your characters and immediately throws them in media res. Like, there is no furthering of their background or knowledge. It is just experience to experience. And sometimes Powered by the Apocalypse games look at achievement as I am better, I'm changing my character, and that is all left to narrative in this. Yeah, I can see it, but I can also think of about 12 different ways, literally off the top of my yeah. head, to get someone involved in a, uh, uh, in a, in a, uh, again, I'm going to say a hunt, um, you know, it, like this, without just being like, bam, there's a monster, go get it. Right. You know, um, but it's not presented well in that sense. Like, if this was my very first game, I'd probably run that adventure yeah. as my start point. Yeah, sure. But to say, like, what's a hook to pull your characters together, mm-hmm. they present it well. And they actually have a really good four-page... <laughs> There's another thing that I think it did very well. There's there's a four-page concise playthrough mm-hmm. that literally... Does all the phases and every mechanic. Yeah. In yeah. four pages. If you could find me another game system that in four pages could do a playthrough with text. Shows the entire game, game front to back. With all mechanics. <laughs> with all mechanics involved. I, I defy you to find that. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, lasers and feelings you could do in, 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 in four pages. Well, lasers and but feelings. The game it's is a one, one page. page. Yeah. You should be able to do that in the corner block <laughs> exactly. of that game, honestly. But I would say that the, uh, I will say that was a, a, a wonderful thing to see in this game. But to have that that gap mm-hmm. that the story of your character is narrative. Yeah. I'm giving you how to handle quote unquote, the challenge, everything else. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter as much as these things here. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like every other game that layers something on top of that, you you can use those mechanics. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So. All right. We have a couple questions. We have a couple questions. Yeah. Nevum asks lovely questions every time. Thank you so much. What kind of scenario are you encouraged to play? Uh, it really only kind of does one scenario. Does one very well. This co- cup of coffee is coffee. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you are looking for a different type of scenario other than investigate, synthesize a cure, and then administer the cure to the wounded animal, mm-hmm. you should play another game because that is what this game does. It does it exceptionally well, but it is the only thing this game does. Yeah. You walked into a coffee shop. They have coffee. It is either hot, cold, delivered, or sat at a table waiting for you. It may come in lots of things, but it's still going to be coffee, which you're getting. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, is the game accessible as a first RPG for players, for DMs, for younger audience? Younger audiences, definitely. Uh, first time RPG players, I definitely think. I think I think you could you could absolutely introduce someone with this. It's it's light enough and fun enough and gentle enough, like forgiving enough. Oh, it's very forgiving. Like 
I, I think a lot of people might have like a bad experience with something like D&D where like they, they take a chance and then like they get their character killed. You right. know, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. This game sucks. Yeah. This game's super forgiving because there's no way of taking damage. Right. And switching between characters mid-story, not a big deal. Really yeah. doesn't change anything. Exactly. Because probably you're going to do an adventure a night. Mm-hmm. And I think that right there makes this a very entry point. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is like a six-hour board game, mm-hmm. you know, effectively. You could easily tell a complete adventure in that time period. Yeah. You know, not to say that you couldn't run a full campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I don't. It, and there was a time when it would have been like, oh, this could do a disservice for other game systems. The answer is no, it couldn't. It does a fine job of giving you a two d six mechanic set and getting you into powered by the apocalypse with baby steps. Yep. <laughs> so yep, yes. absolutely good. Good on good on everyone. Yeah. So. Uh, and it, uh, is the combat free implemented in the system in the setting? Yeah, yes. bo- both. Both. It is through and through this game. If you d- if you deliberately go into this game with the concept that your people are going to have weapons, you did not read a page of the book. Yeah, yeah, you have absolutely fundamentally failed to understand the setting. And and if you hack it to include that in the setting, like again, you fundamentally changed the game. Yeah. The best I could best I could see as far as a hack would be like you said, play this as a monster hunter world, but be, but be monster healer world right. of like the fifth fleet is off doing their thing, fighting Velcana or whatever. Right. But there is a Nargakuga that is like rampant in the ancient forest, and it's been like it got hurt and it's just rampaging around. It's interfering with some of our researchers. Let's go make sure it gets healed. Right. And that it's little differences that it's got with the Toto Kodachi <laughs> that also lives in the area get solved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in all honesty, I could see that much stronger because that game at least has the narrative that these people are part, these, these monsters are part of an ecosystem. Yes. They must be maintained. Yes. Your and idea l- of murdering them all is a bad idea. And a lot of the reasons why these monsters pop up and are ornery, you know, and, and need to be hunted essentially is because of disruptions to their environment. Yeah. They didn't ask for any of this. They were minding their own business. Business, and then a big bad monster came along and disrupted everything, and now they're displaced, they're confused, they're angry. Yeah. And you could arguably offset this setting into something else and play this in any other world, so long as you keep that Hippocratic Oath mm-hmm. of yeah. the game. Yeah. You know, I, I could easily... We, we talked about having... Uh, about using... Uh, a different system to do, and I was trying to remember the system all the time, and I can't think of it, uh, to do a um, uh, a world savers group, mm-hmm. you know, uh, your Thunderbirds group. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This game has all of that, those kind of feels to it. We're talking about Cortex, yeah. Yeah. You, you can easily do those types of things within it and, and do a non-combat game. This game gives you all the mechanics you need and a system to basically say... That's what these things are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if your group comes up to you and says, like, can we do, like, a Pokemon game? But without all of the, like, I don't know, sports stuff that they throw in of, like, I'm a team and I'm better than you. Yeah. yeah like, no, I just want to play, like, the nurse. Can we play the nurse? Like, yes. can I do that? St- stuff stuff that is uh, d- uh, disturbingly adjacent to cockfighting, if you think about it, for longer than three seconds. It is so... I... I I try to ignore that aspect of it, but yeah. it's like, how much of this is rugby? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think like they, they they can throw the word fainted instead of died around all they want, but yeah, no, it's it's elaborate cartoon cockfighting, and it's a li- a little disturbing if you start thinking about it. And don't read too don't, many of don't. the ghost Pokemon descriptions in your no, Pokedex. No, don't, don't. Uh, that will break your brain. Yeah, but I I feel that this game has all of that, and mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's great. Um, and funny enough, uh, Liam goes to Gen Con every year, not to hawk. I mean, I'm sure he does hawk up his games and talks about things but he loves watching people play them and be people in his world well if you see them i will i I will 100 percent say hello and and uh and go from there so absolutely because this was a joy to read and uh i hope to run one day for some people yeah absolutely um so next week's topic next week's topic uh so we 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 joked earlier about the real treasure being the the, yes the the friends we made along the way but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about next week um our next week talking is about uh, external player motivators. All right. Um, so, I mean, usually we do dangle things like money or items. You know, loot. The, yeah. The loot with a capital L in front of our uh, in front of our players to motivate them. But like, you know, first off, that doesn't work for every character archetype. It doesn't always work all the time. I mean, when you have well, enough money. Yeah. Or you have enough loot. When, when capitalism fails your group because they're here. Right. Like, I don't need money. Why? I'm a powerful wizard. How do you make your characters go? How yeah. do you entice them to continue to get into adventures and whatnot? Yeah. Uh, and so those are those are the external player motivators we're going to be talking about. Is, yeah. Is it, are are other the... carrots to dangle. Yeah. And we, we've kind of, we've dabbled at these at the beginning, like character mm-hmm. creation stuff. But also, like, you have those games where people start out at fifth level because they're fighting a god, right? Yeah, like, sure. What, what, what motivators sit there? Like, do the players have to give them to you? Mm-hmm. So we'll have some fun with that and uh, see if we can give you guys a little extra time to uh, think about it yourselves for your own games. Well, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, uh, talk with the other great storytellers that are up there. Bounce some campaign ideas off of them. Toss us some questions. We can answer them here on the air. Uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members uh, who help us out every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, Subjet. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at uh, Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Our intro music, which you're hearing right now is Geefrog. Uh, you can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music or on YouTube. Our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat at our tables to give you these great stories to share with you uh, and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.